You have been our dwelling place, O everlasting God. Before you formed the mountaintops, you were before it all. And soon our lives turn back to dust. When the sun comes up, satisfy us before the day has passed us by. Before our hearts forget all your goodness, satisfy us with your love. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin does not, the Lord does not count against them, and whose spirit there is no deceit. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him, and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you holy people, for those who fear him like nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Heavenly Fathers, want to thank you for our final service here in this location. Even though this is not the end of the year, But God, remember your goodness and your faithfulness throughout these past two years in this place. Through all the ups and downs, through all the individuals who came to this to this place, every week coming here, God worshiping here together and coming here in morning prayer and doing our missions training here in this place, we want to thank you. Reflect upon your goodness and your faithfulness for the space that you provided for us in the time when we need it, God. And we thank you for the transition that God, that you are leading us to a new place, to a new location. And God, we believe with all of our hearts, God, that you will continue to carry us through. Lord, we lay down all of our worries, all of our anxieties, all of our anxious thoughts, all of our joy we laid at your feet, oh God. For all the good and the bad, God, it comes from you and you alone. And Lord, you give and you take away. So God, we bless your name together as a church. What a special day it is today to reflect upon your goodness, oh God. Thank you for every member. Thank you for every act. Thank you for all the sacrifices and the service that each individual has brought in this church. Father, there's nothing, God, that is not seen by your eyes. You see and you know all things. So God, continue to bless us today. And God, as you transition to the message, I pray, God, that the words in my mouth right now, the final message that we have here in this location, that will be pleasing in your sight, oh God. Oh Lord, come and have your way here in this place. Let the words in my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, O Lord, our King and our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. We love you so much. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and I pray, and God's people pray. Amen. 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 Welcome, church. Uh, we are finally here with our final message here in this place and in this location. And we have finished our Philippines series. We have finished our Job series. And now we have um, the message that we are giving until we start our event. 
And last week, if you remember, the title was called How God's People Should Live. Today, you could call it part two, but not really. But I'm going to give a flip side of that message. And the title of today's message is called How God's People Should Not Live. Can we turn to our neighbor and say, How God's People Should Not Live? Okay, and we have our same passage from last week, which is found in Psalm chapter 29, verse 11. Psalm chapter 29, verse 11. In Psalm 29, verse 11, it starts with this. It says, The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Never forget that we are God's People. You're, not just a, you're not just God's individual, but we as a church, we are his people. We are called to be his family. We are called to be his body. So beginning with this, you must not. Starting with number one is this. Lose your C, 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 triple C. Can we turn to our neighbor and say triple C? This is for our MMA fans, Henry Seudo. I don't know if you guys know. It's like an inside joke for those who are into MMA. But you must not lose your triple C. And what is triple C? Let's begin with our first word. It's called the word confidence. Can we turn to our neighbor and say confidence? Do not lose your confidence. What is the definition of confidence? Confidence is this. It's faith or belief that you will act in right, proper, or effective way. It's a state of being certain. So your confidence, we find it in God. Do not lose your confidence. Second word, courage. Can we turn to our neighbor and say courage? Courage, courage means mental or moral strength to endure, persevere, to withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. Do not lose your courage. Do not lose your confidence. Do not lose your courage. And the last word here is conviction. And can we turn to our neighbor and say conviction? conviction. What, what do I mean by conviction? Conviction means a strong belief that you are an individual compelled by the omission of truth. You are moved by the truth, not based on lies, not based on rumors or gossips. You have true conviction that comes from the Holy Spirit that leads you to the emission of truth. So again, number one, you must not lose your triple C. Number two, you must not be found isolated. Let's go with a passage found in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 10. And can we as a church, can we read together 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10, Titus chapter 3, 3 through 7, and then Ephesians 1, 3 to 10. And let's all read together as a church, as a body of Christ. Let's read it together in unison. Starting from verse 9 in 1 Peter chapter 2. Ready? 1, 2, 3. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you are not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen. 
Let's go to our second passage found in Titus chapter 3. Starting from verse 3, let's begin. Ready? One, two, three. At one time, Amen. Let's finally read Ephesians chapter 1. Let's read it together. Ready? 1, 2, 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity of all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Amen. So we see here that we are a people of God together. Praise God that we can read this passage together as a church. Now when we're alone, isolated, by ourselves, especially during the pandemic, when everything was shut down, when we're reading these passages where has the word us, we, we as a church, the body of Christ, chosen people, not a chosen individual. Yes, we're a chosen individual, but we got to put that individual out. As a church, we need to come together. It has to become about us. We, us, in him, we have redemption through his blood. Yes, it's true. I have redemption through his blood, but we... He made known to us the mystery of his will to do his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. We must not be found isolated. When we isolate ourselves, we're in essence dividing the body of Christ. Remember this. That is it's crucial for us, no matter what we're feeling, other than when we get sick or something happens to us when we're not physically able, we don't make excuses and we make every effort to come to church no matter what, to worship together as a body of Christ. Not to be isolated, not to be up in the mountains by yourself. There are times for that when, you're, when you need to be alone. But do not be isolated. Do not purposely cut off relationships so that you can worship God by yourself. That is not true worship. Again, I'm talking about when we try to isolate ourselves away from the people of God purposely with a deceitful and with a hateful heart. Again, there are times where we can be alone. And yes, it's good to be alone. 
It's good to spend time in solitude alone with God. But I'm talking about someone who has been hurt by church, who has gone through hard times, and they, and they, they, they make excuses, and they make reasons to go through their depression. They go in these places they to, to be isolated so that they can be isolated from the group. And whenever we are isolated from the body of Christ, from the church that God has placed us in, that God has plugged us in, we understand that's when danger comes. That's when the devil comes and he attacks us the most. Do not be alone, isolated. I'm not talking about solitude. There's a show called I Shouldn't Be Alive. In episode two, you can watch this if you have Amazon Prime. But it's a couple who came with a group, but they decided to go off trail to their own thing and we see what happens when they're left alone that without the help of the group, when we isolate ourselves, we find ourselves in a place in a deeper danger than before. Whenever we find ourselves wanting to be isolated, that's when the devil comes, and that's, when he, that's how it divides the body of Christ. In U.S. News, an article titled, Will Suicides Rise Because of COVID-19? And in this article, it says, One county in Washington state reported a surge in deaths by suicide mostly of men in their 30s and 40s since the outbreak began. The authors wrote, the pandemic will cause distress and leave many people vulnerable to mental health problems and suicidal behavior. In 2018, the most recent year for which data is available, more than 48,000 Americans died by suicide, according to the Centers for Disease Control, ranking it the country's 10th leading cause of death. While many countries have seen their suicide rates decline in recent years, in the U.S., the rate has increased 35% since 1999, from 10.5 deaths per 100,000 people to 14.2, alarming rise that's also prompted a call to action among health professionals. In BBC News, call how solitude and isolation can affect your social skills. It says, when you are alone, you start to lose your sense of who you are. And the truth is, the devil wants you to be isolated. The devil wants you to be part away, away from the group. The devil wants our lives to end prematurely. The devil wants us to be isolated, to be wretched, and to be miserable. But you must remember, 1 Peter chapter 5, and it's on the screen. Normally, we only focus on verse 8. But I'm going to go ahead and read from verse 8 to verse 11, all the way. Let's go ahead. I'm going to read for us, and it says this. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Always remember that the enemy is out to destroy us and to attack us. But we must stand firm. How do we stand firm? How do we resist the devil? It says it's easy. Verse 9 gives us the answer. Resist him. 
Stem from what? In your faith. That's how you resist the devil. Stand firm in your faith. Be steadfast. Our theme word for this year, be steadfast. Stand firm in your faith and nothing will shake you. No attack of the enemy will bring us to a place where we will lose our faith. There's no way. There's nothing that the devil can do to destroy our faith. Do not be found alone, isolated, wretched, and miserable by yourself. Remember that we are all in it together as a family of Christ. So again, you must not lose your triple C. You must not be found isolated. Leading to point number three, you must not navigate in darkness. Navigate in darkness. And what do I mean here? By not navigating in darkness. Am I saying don't drive at night? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying do not navigate your life without the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is your flashlight, is your light. It's a light for your path, for, your, for you to see, for you to drive. And when Angela got her car, you know, she, I think she was literally driving for a month with no lights. She was driving with the daylight uh, setting on. And she didn't know that she thought it was just automatic and pieces that people were honking at her. Have you guys ever tried driving on 9W or the parkway? Especially 9W, right? It's safer, but you just try it for like one second. Literally, it's pitch black because there are no street lamps. Imagine driving in the dark without headlights on. And that's what it is when we live our lives without the Word of God. The Word of God is our navigation. The word of God is our light, is light for our path, for our feet, for our destination. Psalm 119, verse 105 tells us this. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Man and woman of God, I can't stress this enough. The word of God is your light. Without the light, we cannot see the path that we are walking in. Do not be found navigating your life, making decisions in your life without the Word of God. For the Word of God is your light. If you think you can navigate without the Word of God, you are deeply mistaken. We will make many mistakes. Again, Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 23 tells us this, for this command is a lamp. This teaching is a light. And correction and instruction are the way to life. The word of God is our food, is our everything. That's what it says in John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5, tells us, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light, again, the light is Christ. It's the Word of God. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Amen. Do you want to know Christ? Then know the word of God. 
Without the word of God, you have no light for your path, and you will be lost. That's what Jesus, he goes on, he says, I am, in John 6, 48, I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. That it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Remembering Psalm 1, the passage that we all memorized for the the mission team. Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that the sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. It's saying, blessed are the ones who do not walk like, and live like the people that the way that the world lives in. But whose delight is in what? The law of the Lord. What is the law of the Lord? It's the word of God. And who meditates on his law day and night. That person who meditates on the word of God is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers, but not so the wicked. Not the ones that are found in verse 1. Not so the wicked. They're like shaft that the wind blows away. Shaft are like the skin. It just, it just flies everywhere. It's gone. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Which one do you want to be? A tree planted with deep roots, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. Or do you want to be like chaff that just blows away by the wind, here today and gone tomorrow? Which one are we? We must be grounded in the word of God. The word of God is our light for our path and for our destination and for our journey. You must not navigate in darkness. And I'm talking about without the word of God. And number four, you must not waste your time. Waste your time. In the book, Pastor Piper in his book, Don't Waste Your Life, in quoting in the book, it says, but whatever you do, find, find the God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life. And find your way to say it and live for it and die for it, and you will make a difference that lasts. You will not waste your life. Find it. Find the passion that you have for God. I'm not talking about your career. I'm not talking about which schools to apply to. I'm not talking about what other degree can I add to my degrees. It's talking about finding the God-centered, Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated passion of your life. Why? Because America is the first culture in jeopardy of amusing itself to death. We understand because we live here in America. So easy to be distracted here in America. In the book it says, I am wired by nature to love the same toys that the world loves. I start to fit in. I start to love what others love. I start to call earth 
home. Before you know it, I'm calling luxuries needs and using my money just the way unbelievers do. I begin to forget the war. I don't think much about people perishing. Missions and unreached people drop out of my mind. I stop dreaming about the triumphs of grace. I sink into secular mindset that looks first to what man can do, not what God can do. It is a terrible sickness, and I thank God for those who have forced me again and again toward a wartime mindset. We are in a season, in a time of war, men and women of God. You are a warrior. That's why every year for me, personally for me, I don't know about you, but for me personally, every year I have to go on a mission trip. I have to go on missions. Not because I have to, because it's a checklist, but because I have a passion within me since I was young, ever since I was forced to go in eighth grade. It has never gone away. I have to go every year. Whether I am there physically or mentally, I am there. What I mean by that is I don't get lost in the American culture, in the American comfort. For me, there is only one culture, and that is the kingdom culture. That's it. There's no such thing for me as American culture, Korean culture, Asian culture. Yes, that's part of who I am, yes. But for me, first and foremost, my everything is the kingdom culture. It's about having the kingdom mindset. There is no off-season. As a kingdom people, there is no off-season. Even during off-season, we are now called to be a seasonal warrior, a seasonal Christian, a seasonal wrestler. For those who wrestle or do sports, I am always a warrior for Christ. I bring up wrestling because I remember during, you know, when we were young and kids who did wrestling and we would come back for the school year and those kids who improved, they literally levels rise up, they get to the next level. The people who were really bad the previous year, they become really good. And how did that happen? It's because during the summer, instead of just bumming around, playing video games and wasting time, they went to a wrestling camp and they and put in the work. They quit smoking. Months before, they put in the work, they started eating healthy. A lot of times where we just come, we come to first day of practice, we don't even prepare ourselves. We go and we die on that first day. But there is no off season in the kingdom culture. There are rest seasons, yes, but even then, we're still in the game. In the book, Don't Waste Your Life, it goes on. It says, you don't have to know a lot of things for your life to make a lasting difference in the world. But you do have to know the few great things that matter, perhaps just one, and then be willing to live for them and die for them. The people that make a durable difference in the world are not the people who have mastered many things, but who have been mastered by one great thing. And that desire... And that one great thing is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, whenever I read that part, I'm reminded of my father. He may not have all the education because of the way he grew up, because of the shortcomings, the things, the barriers that he had to go through. But even then, I see my father, and he may not have everything that this world thinks is the definition of success. But I look at him, I see, wow, he has everything because he has Jesus Christ in his life. And there's nothing, no gold, nothing worth more 
than knowing Jesus Christ, than having a relationship with Jesus Christ. The book goes on, desire that your life count for something great. Long for your life to have eternal significance. Want this. You need to want it. Don't coast through life without a passion. Life is wasted if you do not grasp the glory of the cross. Cherish it for the treasure that it is and cleave to it as the highest price of every pleasure and deepest comfort in every pain. What was once foolishness to all, a crucified God, must become our wisdom and our power and our only boast in this world. God without Christ is no God. He is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. I'll say that again. He is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him, when he becomes your everything. You get one pass at life. That's all. Only one. And we say this all the time. One life, one chance. And the lasting measure of that life is Jesus Christ. And I want to teach you a word this afternoon. And this ties in with do not, we must not waste your time, our time. And it's the word kairos. Can we turn to your neighbor and say kairos? kairos. It's not a God of War character's name. That's Kratos, okay? Kairos, okay. The meaning of kairos is this. It's season, opportunity, the fitting time, the proper time, the appointed time. I'll say it again. Season, opportunity, the fitting time, the proper time, the appointed time. Us moving to a new location during this year in 2020, the first week of November, is Kairos. This is the fitting time. This is the proper time. If this happened last year, it would have been too early. We would not have been ready. But right now, with God, with God as a Christian, there are proper time, the appointed time that God gives us, and we must take opportunity, we must seize that moment. We must have the wisdom and discernment to know when is the right time to make the next move. So just to have a clear understanding, let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Let's, let's begin with this, and it says this, making the most of every opportunity, which means Kairos, because the days are evil. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary, going to verse 10, let us not become weary in doing good for the proper time, which means Kairos. We will reap harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, Kairos, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Do not make excuses. Do not waste your time. Do not waste your life. Make sure that we are living our lives by God's kairos, his time. And if we have eternity in our mind, we will not waste time living our lives and wasting our lives. There was a trip in Guatemala, a mission trip that I went to. We're up high on the mountains. Literally, there were no connections. I had AT&T 
Thank God at AT&T because all those who have Verizon, they had no connection and there was an emergency call I had to make. And it was, that trip was crazy. We had nothing, there was no toilet, nothing. But it was, I was a guest leader of the senior pastor asked me to lead the team, to help the young people help lead the team. I was like, are you sure? Because I do it kind of in a different way. And he's like, yeah. And then, you know, and then I met them and I made them grind, right? I made them work really hard. But halfway during the trip, you know, it was tough. You know, there were like uh, bed bugs and all these different things that was happening during that time. And again, we ate ramen like every day. We have limited amount of water, so we would drink soda. And like, I think halfway in, we drank soda like every day. Imagine drinking soda every day, not water. And later when we had water, it was like gold. But anyways, during halfway during the trip, people were losing their focus and people were getting distracted. They were getting lazy and tired. And in one of the evenings, we had an outreach and we had to go and perform mime. And if you, for those who went on missions, you know, it's difficult when we do mimes because for you, you do it multiple times throughout the day. So for you, this might be the hundredth time, but for that individual, for the people who are watching, it's their first time. So I, I put it into their minds that, listen, we need to give it our best every time. So they went and they went to the head pastor and they complained to the head pastor saying, oh, you know, we're not feeling good. I'm feeling a little sick. And I could tell, you know, I've been doing this for a while. I could tell when people are serious, when they're really sick, or they're making excuses. And knowing that they were making excuses, I was just reminding them the importance of time, of finishing strong and not regretting, of seizing the moment in the present, to not regret and to give your best in your present. To not look back two weeks from now at home at when this mission is finished, thinking, oh, I should have, I could have done better. I reminded them of Kairos that right now, this opportunity that we have been given, this is our chance, that this may be your hundredth time doing the mime. But for these individuals who are watching the mime, it's their first time, and probably the first time in the village that we're going to be visiting, first time for them to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we need to change our attitude. We must seize Kairos. We must seize that moment, that opportunity, and give our best. Therefore, give it your best. Give it your best while you are still in your present. And during the Kairos, the opportunity, when you can do something about it now, do not make excuses and then regret later. Oh, I should have, could have, I could have done this. But give it your all in your present, right now in this very moment. So again, point number four. Do not waste your time. Do not waste Kairos. Please turn to your neighbor and say, don't waste your life. <laughs> and turn to your neighbor and say, don't waste your time. Don't waste your life. Don't waste your time. Which leads to our last point, point number five. You must not quit. You must not quit. Do not give up. Never lose hope. No matter what. Right, Harry? Do not quit. No matter what. No matter what happens in this life, there is always hope. In this life and in the life after. You know, never forget the pure joy and this is the greatest treasure that we can have on this earth. The pure joy 
of the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ. That's it. It all comes down to that. The relationship that you have with Jesus Christ. He is the beginning and our end. And he is in the middle of our journey. Therefore, we must not quit. There are quitters everywhere we see. People quit so easily. They make excuses and excuses over and over again. But even if you have quit or have been kicked off a team or whatever it is, whatever the reasons are, be quick to come back and come back. In humility, come home running. Come home running. With that, we're closing with this. And we're closing with this passage found in Luke chapter 15. And the title is called The Parable of the Lost Son. And whenever I read this passage, well, these days I'm reminded of the time in the Philippines when we played basketball, we did an outreach with these individuals, with these young men. Uh, you know, they don't go to church, and after we played a game of basketball, uh, I shared the story of the parable of the lost son. And this was a powerful moment because these young men, they came and they received the gospel. They actually, they don't go to church, maybe first time hearing the gospel for the first time. And they came and they prayed with us to be prayed for and to pray together. And in this passage, the parable of the lost son, just to remind us and to recap the story for us, it says, Jesus tells a story that there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the home country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. Verse 16, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. 
Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. What are we called to do? Recapping the story, the son realized that he can go back. And he humbled himself and it says he took action. He got up and went to his father. He wasn't expecting to be welcomed like the way that he did. But he had an attitude change. He realized that being in my father's house is so much better than living my own life. Instead of quitting, he got up and went to his father. I want us to look up at the screen real quick. There's a phrase that we hear all the time, and it says this. Can we read it together? Ready? One, two, three. It is a nice phrase. It is. It's okay to not be okay. When you hear it, you find comfort in it. But here's a danger with this phrase. It's a phrase that we hear too often. But here, there's a flip side to this phrase. And I want us to do this. Let's go ahead and read the next phrase. Ready? One, two, three. It's not okay to not be okay for a long period of time. Make sure that we do not stay in that place for too long. Do not remain lost for too long. Do not be lost in that, quit, in that quitting mentality for too long. Do not find yourself in a place where you're repeating the same things over and over again, going back to the same patterns over and over and over and over again. The things that you struggled 10 years ago, 5 years ago, is still a thing that you're still struggling even to this day. Listen to me. It's not okay to not be okay for a long period of time. There comes a point where we need to be okay. And to be okay can only be found in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It can only be found when you come to church together and we worship together as a family of Christ. So again, you must not what? Number one, lose your triple C. Do not lose your CCC. Number two, you must not be found isolated. Number three, you must not navigate in darkness. Number four, you must not waste your time. Number five, you must not quit. How God's people should not live. Do not quit. Do not waste your time. Do not navigate in darkness. Do not be found isolated. Do not lose your CCC. And with that, with our eyes closed, I want us to worship together and pray together. And don't worry about the time because we're not going to have the luxury to worship more than an hour when we move due to the time. But with freedom and with conviction, 
Can we come together as a church and just worship Him? I'm going to ask the praise team to come up right now at this time. And for the rest of the congregation, with our eyes closed, let's come and worship God together. Let's worship Him and praise Him. Can we right now come together as a church right now? Let's lift up our voices. And can we just take a moment and reflect on the message? Let's ask God to give me the conviction and the courage and the confidence to enter His throne, to to pray to Him and to worship Him. Can we right now with confidence, courage, and with conviction pray to our Father in Heaven? Let's pray to God. give him thanks just for all the blessings that he continues to give us every single day let's pray together
worship Him today. You have been our dwelling place. and we lose our focus um, you are always consistent and God you are always the same the same God that was faithful on the day of our birth is the same God that will be faithful on the day that we take our final breath here on earth we thank you for this one life and this journey that we have in you uh, we thank you for this transition to this new location that you have given us as a church Lord, we glorify your name, and we give you thanks, O oh God. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your continuing faithfulness throughout this week, this new week that we're about to enter. Lord, we give glory to your name. 
Lord, we thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. In your precious son, Jesus Christ, I pray. And God's people, we pray. Amen. Amen.